Hey friends, welcome back to another episode of Deeper Still, the women's ministry podcast of Christ Church of Oak Brook. My name is Sue Ann Camfield. I serve on staff here at the church and have the privilege of being the host of Deeper Still, where we fight through the chaotic and the mundane of our everyday lives to pay attention to what God is doing in and around us as He calls us to go deeper still with Himself and with one another. Today, I'm looking forward to introducing you to a new guest on Deeper Still, who I already know you're going to absolutely fall in love with. I can feel it in my bones. For those of you who are not already familiar with her, it is my great joy to introduce you to Aubrey Sampson. Aubrey co-pastors Renewal Church with her husband, Kevin, out in West Chicago, Illinois. She is the co-host of the Common Good Talk Show on AM 1160 and the Nothing is Wasted podcast, where she tells redemptive stories of hope and healing. How awesome is that? I love that here on Deeper Still. Uh, She is a gifted speaker and preacher and the author of three books. Her newest one called Known, How Believing Who God Says You Are Changes Everything. That one is set to release this September. But the book we are going to talk about today is her award-winning book written pre-pandemic called The Louder Song, Listening for Hope in the Midst of Lament. Now, I don't know about you, friends, but lament is something I don't think we talk a lot about. I don't know if we understand even what it means or why it's important to our relationship with God. But I think Aubrey is the perfect person to help lead us into that today. She is honest. She is vulnerable. She is funny. She is wise. And I think you're going to find so much hope and encouragement in what she has to share with us today. So sit back, enjoy a good cup of coffee, maybe a beautiful evening walk, wherever you find yourself today. I'm just glad you're here. So settle in, listen in as Aubrey and I go deeper still. Well, Aubrey, it is such a privilege to have you here with us today. Thank you so much for joining us. Oh, thanks so much for having me. It is seriously my honor to be here with you, Sue Ann. Well, I'm so excited for the Women of Christ Church and just people beyond our audience to just get to know you and to hear your voice because you're going to be a new voice to a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And I just am excited for them to hear your wisdom and your story and um, just some of the beautiful things that you have to talk about today. Well, thanks so much for the opportunity. I can't wait. I know your listeners are amazing. And so I am, yeah, like I said, I'm just mm-hmm. thrilled to be here. Yeah. Well, awesome. You know, I was thinking, I couldn't help but think when we set up this interview about the very first time I met you. And I don't know if you remember this or not, but we were at a camp at Expeditions Unlimited. Uh, It was a middle school camp. That you knew our middle school director at the time and you came and spoke. We were both speaking. I was super pregnant. Is that right? You were. I wasn't going to say that, but since you said it, yes, you were like <laughs> super pregnant. Super pregnant, because I think my son was born the next month, so I was like pregnant, pregnant. You were. So which which child would that have been? I think that, must have, been my, I think that must have been my firstborn, Eli. Maybe who your is, first. He's now almost 15. Does that sound right? Would it have been that wow. many years ago? It could have been. Okay. It could have been. What I really remember, though, besides you being massively pregnant, uh, <laughs> is that you spoke the night before I did, and I remember you getting up there and giving um, this amazing talk. It was my first exposure to you, and I went to bed that night, and I was like, wow, I have to go after <laughs> this no! woman. Oh, my gosh. You were you just were so – it was so clear to me how gifted and talented Aww. you were then, and it's been so awesome to see – um, you know, our paths have crossed over the years, but to see the way God has used you as a pastor, as a writer, as a speaker, as a radio show host, as a podcaster, all of these different ways he's using your gifts and your talents. And um, I just think I just want to say that out loud to you. You're and so to our encouraging, Sue oh, Thank well, you for hey, saying that. All about, right? Especially as women, we have to do that for each that's other. Right. So I just we do have to do that, that for each other. Yes, thank you for that. Right. I, 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 that is welcome. encouraging. Thank you. Um, well, I'm glad to encourage you today. Um, but today we are going to talk about your book um, called The Louder Song, Listening for Hope in the Midst 
of laments. And, you know, it's such an amazing and beautiful book in so many ways. But I think the timing of us having this conversation today is so fitting because you released the book back in 2019. Mm -hmm. Um, But in case you haven't heard, um, 2020 has kind of been a mess. Uh, (laughs) In case you missed it, 2020 was a disaster. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And this beautiful book about loss and grief and lament is so timely as we sit here now in 2021. And so I thought we could start with what may seem like a basic question, but I don't want to assume also that people really get this concept of lament. And so let's just start right there. Talk about what is lament? How do you define it? And maybe how is it different from just a normal grieving process Mm -hmm. that we may find ourselves in? I am so glad you asked that because I think a lot of people, and actually more and more people are using the phrase lament on social media or in the news, but most people assume lament is the same as grief or the same as just crying out, okay? And um, there are some similarities, but lament is is specifically like the spiritual discipline of expressing grief. Lament is actually known throughout the Bible as an impolite plea. And so it is actually that act of expressing verbally or um, in song or in writing or in poetry or in your journal um, and with other people. Um, It can be individual. It can be communal. um, Grief. And it can be the expression of grief on behalf of something you're suffering with or on behalf of something you see like your people suffering with or a people group suffering with. And so I think that it's a small nuance, right? But lament is specifically that expression, not just the feeling, but the the words or the the art that comes out expressing pain. And then mm. what's beautiful about lament is that we – lament to God who hears our laments, right? And so uh, oftentimes we're lamenting in what feels like the absence of God, but the beautiful thing about crying out to God is that we are crying out to the God who hears and does something with our laments. Yeah, and you do such a beautiful job throughout the book just describing what that looks like, what it means, and we're going to we're going to get to some more of that. In um, just a minute as we talk today, but I'm curious because lament is, it's not the easiest thing to write about. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) It's Mm -hmm. a pretty vulnerable and courageous place to just kind of spill out your story. Yeah. And when we think about that impolite plea and taking that to God, I'm curious when you sat down to write the louder song, how'd you get there? What prompted this book? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I'll, I'll say a funny story and then I'll tell you why I wrote it. But, uh, the first iteration of the book, I turned it into my editor and she said, you're not lamenting. Like I was, tr- I was, I was already in my mind. Lament is so hard for us to do. Here I am writing a book on lament and I was already trying to get to the other side of lament. Like, here's the good part. Here's the victory. Here's where God should like, I, and I wasn't even, a. she was like, you need to let your own lament breathe. And it is so hard to do that, that even mm-hmm. me writing it, I had to pause and be like, okay, if I'm calling people to this, if I'm saying this is godly and biblical, like, okay, I got to go here and be real. And so I spent months just sobbing as I wrote. But I wrote this book because in 2015, um, 2015, Kevin and I opened the doors to our church plant, a church plant in Renewal Church called West Chicago. This is a week, one week in October, 2015. We opened the doors to the church plant and my first book, a book called Overcomer about overcoming um, shame from sexual assault came out. Okay. So this is all happening in the same week, October, 2015. And um, that, you know, those were like dreams that Kevin and I had, writing, planting, things we had been praying about and working towards and, uh, you know, had had this great community around us, helping us and supporting us. And we were launching all of this together with our people. And it was just beautiful. And I woke up that same week um, unable to walk. Like it like... A few weird things were happening the summer before that fall where I remember vividly Kevin and I were at a concert and we were walking back to our car and I just like stopped in my tracks because I couldn't move anymore. Like I was like, uh, uh. and it was just a moment where I like, I don't know, paused and then I kept going, but I was like, well, that was weird. 
And then I experienced some pains here and there. At the time, I was a runner, so I thought I was like beginning to do some joint damage. So I'm trying fish oil and all the things you're supposed to try. Anyway, but that October, I just it I, I couldn't walk. So Kevin, there were a few days Kevin was carrying me around the house, and again, I kept convincing myself like, oh, this is a runner's injury. I need rice, rest, ice, compression, elevation. And finally I went to the hospital and I was diagnosed with an autoimmune disease that impacts my joints, which I'm guessing you got a majority of women listening, probably around the same age as me. 40% of the women are like, yep, me too. I know exactly what you're talking about, you know, and I'm doing a lot better now, but that season, you know, six years ago through everything, a wrench and everything. I, uh, I mean, I, I was planting the church as a co-leader with my husband. I could no longer work. I could no longer be the mom that I wanted to be. I was no longer the friend that I wanted to be, like the expectations of who Aubrey Sampson was and then the reality of Aubrey Sampson, the uh, disease, felt like a totally different person, mostly mm. because I was literally stuck on the couch for so long and in so much pain. Um, but on top of that, so that's enough, right? That's enough to make you want to lose your mind. But on top of that, I earlier that year – my cousin Cameron, who was like a brother to me growing up, we spent every summer together in Texas at our grandparents. We watched the Texas Rangers play together. Like Cameron was my buddy. Um, Cameron was snowshoe hiking in Crater Lake National Park, Oregon. And he stepped out onto a snow cornice. He actually took a picture. I don't know if you've seen Crater Lake, but Google it if you haven't. It's gorgeous. Yes. Um he sent a picture of it to me and to a few other family members. I still have the picture. And then Cameron plummeted to his death. Mm -hmm. So we are here already in the season. I'm grieving like I have never grieved before. The loss of my cousin and my friend, not just his loss, but like the tragic nature of his loss. Because that's one of those deaths where you go, okay, God, what in the world? How could you have let this happen? I scripture says like you won't you'll keep our feet from stumbling but you didn't keep mm -hmm. his feet from stumbling and then on top of that just before the fall um our youngest son uh had to have spinal cord surgery and was in the middle of a lot of ongoing uh physical care occupational ther care um even speech therapy because of some of the just residual effects of the spine issues and so it suan like you know i've been a christian since i was 11 years old and I, <laughs> I feel like I know all the ways Christians are supposed to respond in those scenarios, right? Like, I, you know, victory in Jesus. I can like, <laughs> you know, I can rise above. I, I, you know, I'm more than conquer. Like all these like the ways you're supposed to respond. And I mean, I just fell to the ground. Like I was like, am I? And not in like a faithful way. Like I mean, I like thought to myself oh, maybe I'm actually praying to the ceiling fan. Maybe that's been my faith this whole time. I mean, it, and I, I just remember praying, God, like I, you have got to come find me here because mm -hmm. I can't find you. And I don't know how to like, I, I don't want to walk away from my faith. I don't want to walk away from the church. Like that's not an option for me, but I literally don't know how to like make my way through this season. And, um, you know, this is a really long story, but is it okay if I keep telling you kind of how things? Yes, go for it. Okay. And we will, I will interrupt you if I need to, Okay, but you're doing okay. great. Okay, okay. <laughs> um, so I, um, I'll, I'll try to make a very long story somewhat short, but just to tell you how I got to lament. So I, yes. um, I began to literally pray. I mean, again, I, I had been a Christian for 30 years at that point. God, if you're real, make yourself real to me because I don't know if you're real right now. And I prayed it every single day. And um, I went, a friend invited me to a concert downtown, and, or it was near downtown, and it was a choir concert. And she just thought, hey, you need a girl's night out. Let's go out. Life has been hard. Let's go. So at the time, I'm like barely shuffling. So I'm like shuffling into this concert. We sit down and immediately the lights you know, turn off. A screen literally descends from the ceiling and starts flashing these trigger warnings and then start showing these images of like, I don't know, women suffering and, and children starving and just dark, dark pictures. And then a choir begins singing this um, funeral song, like a funeral dirge, mm. this low, slow song. And I turn to my friend and I'm like, listen, I'm already like, this is my life right now. I don't need more of this. I was almost crying. I'm like, I think I, think I need to go. 
And I almost <laughs> left the concert. I mean, honestly, I was like, this is too much. And then what I well, didn't it realize- doesn't sound like like <laughs> as far as a girl's night out, right? That's not exactly what you imagine. No, like, that is not what I had in mind. Like not at all. And I knew it was a choir concert, but I thought they'd sing, I don't know, uplifting songs, yes. you know. Yeah. But what I didn't realize is that the um the entire concert ended, there was another choir in the audience disguised as audience members, and they um stood up. And they began singing over us this very, like, um, not cheesy, hopeful song, but meaningful, hopeful song. I think it was U2's. Mm -hmm. I still haven't found what I'm looking for. And then they invited us to sing with them. And so the whole audience is singing together. But the whole time, the funeral um, song is still being sung. And the dark images are still being displayed. But this hopeful song is growing louder and louder. And the community is singing it. And in the middle of that, Suanne, I felt like I heard God say, Aubrey, this is what I do. And this is what I'm doing. Mm. Like, I see your pain. I see your hardship. I see your grief. But I am at work singing a louder song in it. And it's a song of restoration. It's a song of renewal. It's a song of um, redemption. And there's not much you have to do except just let me sing that song over you. Mm-hmm. And um, that was a moment. I mean, I'm crying even now talking about it. The crazy thing was I looked down at the the pamphlet from the, the flyer from the concert and I realized like the entire concert was a lament. And that was my first exposure to like the artistry of lament. And so I, that to me started an entire journey. I mean, God used that moment so like profoundly. It was just like, I I just read an article yesterday, someone writing about hinge moments. That was a hinge moment in my life Mm -hmm. where God stepped in and I just began to search the scriptures from, you know, Genesis to Revelation, realizing for the first time in my Christian walk that like the Bible is full of laments. I mean, the entire Bible is a story of God with his suffering people and that we have a suffering savior. And I mean, it's just like things you should know, but this was the first time I really like encountered that God's withness in our grief. And, um, I just began to realize that there is permission, not just for me, but for all Christians to, there's permission and there's biblical language that God has actually given us in his kindness to pour out our hearts to him and not pretend not act like it's not happening, but um, to express our ugliest, darkest stuff to him and find somehow that in it he meets us, you know? Yes. You know, there are so many beautiful things about what you just shared from beginning to end. You're crying. I have like goosebumps yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, on my arms. And even reading that story in the book, I could see it. Mm. I could see you in that space. And then to see this image and this powerful metaphor of God singing his louder song and just what you said, that's who he is and that's what he does. That's right. And I love that you're sitting here as, you know, you've been a Christian for a long time. You're a pastor, you're an influencer, and yet you are so openly and vulnerably sharing and giving people permission to say, you know what, we don't have to pretend that this is not what we're feeling when we're feeling it right, and that right. we don't wrestle with this because right. I think sometimes as believers, we want to pretend that we look bright and shiny mm-hmm. um, all the time and we don't give ourselves permission to be so honest about some of these things. And I want to read you something that you wrote because that is one of the things I love about this book. It's so honest. It's so courageous. And um, you actually say in it, it's okay to be honest. And you say, this is what this stuff, this grief, (laughs) this sorrow, sickness, fear, it feels like. I'm running on jellyfish legs in some frenzied direction, desperate to get there, but also terrified of what I might find when I arrive. I need a rescuer. I'm waiting for God to step in and save the day. But for the first time in my 30-year faith, I'm struggling to believe that God even sees me here. And yet, I also know if I'm going to make it through, I can keep my anger. I can't keep my anger and frustration and intense emotions bottled up any longer. And you say, oftentimes, our biggest obstacle to lament is that we don't know if it's okay to complain to God. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I don't you feel like that's a message in the church. I mean, the hard part is because you're, you know, you're reading the New Testament and Paul's like, rejoice in the Lord always. And Paul and then he says it twice, right? Like, I say it again. Rejoice. It again. And so you're like, well, well, uh, but but 
but what if I, you know, but then, then you look at all of scripture, you look at the breadth of scripture and you see how often faithful followers of God complained and God never pushed them aside. God, I mean, this is what I love about the heart of God. Like he just says, come near. Yes. Yes. Like tell me all that stuff. Cause at the end of the day, God wants intimacy with us, real intimacy, right? He doesn't want the false version. He doesn't want the perfect version. He doesn't want the cleaned up version. He wants intimacy and he knows our frailty. He knows our limitedness. He knows our anger. And so I, cause I think what often happens is our choice is to like run away from God right? Or pretend like it's not happening. And neither of those are, neither of those is what God wants. He would rather us run to him with all of our ugliness than walk away. Yes. Yes, absolutely. And I think it's interesting that we have to tell each other that, that often (laughs) our default, I mean, it comes from the garden, right? That our default is the hide. We hide from God and we hide from one another. It's this story that has been happening over and over again throughout the narrative of scripture. But I love that you said the story of God's people is a story of people suffering and walking with God through their suffering and they're crying out and they're lamenting and God sees them Mm -hmm. over and over and over again. And so give us, um, you do lay out a lot of scripture in your book. I love yeah. that you you walk through and you even shared in your story when we started out that one of the things you did is you went and searched the scriptures to see what lament looked like. Yeah. yeah. Um, share a little bit about what that looks like in the in the biblical narrative. Yeah, that's a that's a good question. So um I mean obviously you can find lament in Lamentations and uh, Jeremiah laments there and Jeremiah laments in his book. Uh, the Psalms are I think there are I probably put the actual number in the book. I don't remember it, no, Suan, but there are like three fourths of the Psalms are lament Psalms. There's more lament songs than praise songs in the entire Bible, which people don't often realize that. But um, I think a great example is Psalm 13 because it's a short lament. And in fact, if you're if you're wanting to express your pain to God, I feel like Psalm 13 is a really um, Psalm 92, but Psalm 13 is a good place to go because it's short and you could just pray it out loud. But David asks the question that every lament begins with, and it is that um, the question, how? And specifically what David says is, how long, oh Lord? Like, how long are you going to let my enemies triumph over me? How long are you going to, the sorrow is going to be taking over my everyday life, you know? But other laments, um, like in Lamentations, cry out like, God, how lonely I am how deserted I feel, or even um, lamenting on behalf of Jerusalem, like how lonely lies the city, how like a widow she is. And so a lot of laments really begin with that phrase, how. Um, But then what's beautiful about lament, um, and I'm going to get a little weird theological here, but most laments actually end up following the same journey that the Israelites followed through the Red Sea um, or through Exodus. So they cry out to God. We read about this in Exodus. They cry out to God and lament. And then God shows up. He walks them through the Red Sea and they find his withness with them in their pain. And then um, on the other side of that, of course, we know there's years and years of wandering. But on the other side of that, they're declaring their faith in God. And so every lament follows that journey. Every lament goes from how to um, yet to with. And let me try to explain that a little better. But um, so uh, every lament starts with that how question. Like I said, how long? How could you? How dare you? How will this get better? And then moves to yet, which I think is a really, this is the crucial point in our grief and in our suffering and in our own lament journeys that we, we have to express the how. We have to express those questions faithfully. We have to cry out in all of our rawness to God. But at some point, with the Holy Spirit's help, we get to a place where we're declaring our yet, meaning, okay, God, this situation is not getting better. I can't see through it. I don't know how you're going to step in. Yet, as Mm -hmm. uh, Jeremiah says in Lamentations 3, I will dare to hope because your love is never ending. Your faithfulness is never ending. Um, or yet, uh, David says it differently. Yet you, you know, you have been my God forever. You have never let me down. Um, and so we have to get to the point where we can declare our yets, like put our stake of faith in the ground. God, even if this Nick never gets better, I am going to worship you because you alone are worthy of worship. I am not in this for 
your blessings. I'm not in this for your benefits. I am not in this for my life turning out perfectly and I'll never have pain and suffering. I am in this because you are the prize. I am in this because I have seen your faithfulness throughout the course of my life. And so it it's not I mean the hard part is you can't force that like yet moment, right? When you're in the middle of hardship, but I do think it becomes imperative for followers of Jesus to get to that point where they're declaring a really authentic yet right? It's not forced. It's after a lot of honesty and rawness and ugliness before God. Um, And then it's sort of like a fighter's prize almost that you're like, yeah, no matter what, God, I praise you. And then this is the beautiful part about laments in scripture and in real life. We experience um, God's withness. I know I keep saying that, but God being with us, right? We know that he's Emmanuel, God, with us in our pain. And um, that's I feel like that's a mystery of lament, and and there's no way to really wrap that up in a pretty package except to say that somehow God shows up, right? When we when we lay our most real and raw version before Him, version of ourselves before Him, and we stay like God, I'm going to cling to you no matter what, even though this is awful. Yet I will praise you. God shows up, and He He meets us in profoundly mysterious, beautiful, comforting ways. Absolutely. Well, and the reminder of how, yet, with, what Mm -hmm. great language and what what great easy words to kind of remember that narrative. But I think so often what we do, and you even alluded to this in your opening story, we want to rush through the how and get totally. to the yet and get yeah. to the with, right? It's yes. like, I think you you share a story in the book of having a conversation with a friend in Zambia and he's like, you Americans, <laughs> like you can suffer for about 30 minutes, right? And like that's totally. sort of it. And totally. how true is that? It's like, it's like we want to rush past Good Friday and get right to Easter mm-hmm. Sunday. Yeah, and, that's it. And it's cultural, but I think it's also because we don't know how to sit with our pain. We're yeah. uncomfortable with it. We want to yeah. rush through it. Yeah. But what I hear you saying is there is value in staying in that how. Get to the yet. Cling to the yet within the how, but don't rush through it all. That's because it. Because there's you just value in the process. So well. Yes, you just said that so well. Yeah, it's and it's part of – I mean – you know, it's it's hard to see it as an invitation from God, but that staying in the how, staying in the suffering, not pretending like it's not happening, sitting there as long as you need to in your pain, that's an invitation from God into Christ-likeness. I mean, that's part of the discipleship journey. But I think we have this voice in our head, and I guess it's the enemy, um, or it's like we've heard this pastoral message for a long time, and I'm a <laughs> pastor, I've probably said it, um, that that we shouldn't, right? Or that we we're not being faithful if we do that. That somehow it's not true faithful Christianity. But the reality is, is is in any real relationship. I mean, people who are married know this, or people who have been in a long term best friend relationship know this. In any real relationship, you have good and bad, right? You have the parts where you're like best friends with the person and everything's awesome and you love each other, and then you have the fights, and then you have the sadness, and then you have the like, I'm mad at you for this thing, and any. Any authentic, like real, meaningful relationship has both, or we would all say that's shallow. Like all of us would go, well, that's not a deep relationship. That's not a deep friendship. And so I don't think we can look at our relationship with God in a different way. Like any deep relationship with God has both. Of course, the worship and the awe and the like, he's our king and we're on our knees bowing down in prayer. But also that part where we go, God, this is, you've disappointed me. This is not what I thought life was supposed to be. This is this is sad beyond measure. And I don't understand how you could let this happen. That's real authentic relationship with God. And that's ultimately what our Father wants. Yes. And and in those moments, and I love you, you make your how list. You call it your eka. Am I saying that word right? Eka. It's it's eka. Uh, Okay. I don't know Hebrew. So, you know, you (laughs) (laughs) I wish people could see your face right now so they could see the face that you make. I'm glad they don't because that was not, that was not good. Yeah. (laughs) But that's so powerful to actually journal and write down because you've done a lot of hard work. I mean, you have, you have worked through this process of lament and to write down that list 
of your how questions before God and sit with him and and don't feel like you have to defend yourself or even mm-hmm. defend God in those moments. Like right. I think sometimes we think like when we lament to God that somehow we're going to either hurt his feelings or mm-hmm. that we're somehow saying that he is not good or he is not faithful right. in that process. Right. So I thought the how list was amazing. Yeah, I think that's that's a really good handhold for people who are listening and may want to know like, well, how do I even start? I, that's what I did. I, I grabbed a journal. I wrote the word Icha on it because it's how in Hebrew. It's actually what Lamentations in the Hebrew Bible is is titled Icha. And I just began to write all of my hows down. God, how could you let this happen to my cousin Cameron? How how could you let me get sick? God, how are my kids going to be okay? Kevin and I, my husband Kevin and I really struggled in our marriage during those first few years of this season. How is our marriage? And, and literally, I would just offer them to God as a prayer, sometimes aloud, and not try to, like you said, not try to, not try to answer it necessarily, not even expect an answer, but just be like, okay, God, here's another one. Here's mm-hmm. another one. I, I have no power to do anything about this, but I am hoping you do, you know? And so I'm giving it to you. And of course I know he does, but back then it was like, all I could do was like, okay, I hope maybe God, you're hearing these. I hope maybe, mm-hmm. you know, the crazy thing is that in each one of those, as I've looked back, God has showed up you know, and you hear this a lot, but never, never with perfect answers, but always with just powerful, powerful presence. Always. Every single one he he showed up. Yes. And you tell a story in your book about meeting with a spiritual director. And this is part of having, knowing who to go to, to have people surround you mm-hmm. um, as you walk through places of grief and suffering and darkness. And so um, you model that so well. But one of the things you did is you went to a spiritual director and she encouraged you to look for God's presence in your life. And you share an exercise or just a moment where you walked through some of those places in your life where you had seen God. And you say, I can't put my finger on how or why, but in those moments, I knew God was with me. Sometimes it was discovering just the right Bible verse to calm my fears. Other times I experienced joy. At still other moments, his presence came in the form of conviction for sin and the freedom of repentance or a sense that nothing else mattered but Jesus and his power and glory are an image of God's love. And I'm just wondering, as you even think back to that moment or mm-hmm. that experience, what kicks up in you? Take us back to some of those, those that hard work that you did as you walked through lament to get to the yet and the with. Yeah. Yeah, that's a great question. And I remember that moment with my spiritual director because she said, she, I kind of listed all those things to her and she said, you know what all of them have in common? And I was thinking she was going to, I don't know what I thought she was going to say, but she said, grace. It's God's grace that un- opened the veil for you. Like it wasn't anything you did. Cause I think I was thinking I had to like, even like if I could lament correctly, then God's going to, you know, like I even had some of that mindset where I'm just trying to earn God's affection and approval and um, attention. And she was like, no, it's God's grace. Like, um, but we do have to attend to the things of God, right? If we, if we want to hear his voice. And so I will say one thing, I, um, another prayer that I was praying really specifically in that season and I always feel a little bit embarrassed telling the story. I don't know why, but when I was a little girl, I loved butterflies. Like I wore butterfly hair clips that used to be cool. And I I would put butterflies on my wall. And I felt like God connected to me through butterflies. And I know often followers of God have something in nature that really speaks to them, right? Or even like themes that reoccur in nature where you're like, oh God, thank you that that bluebird came on my back porch again. I know that's from you. I I know God does show up, reveal his glory in nature. So um, I was just praying in that season that somehow God would like speak to me through a butterfly. But I didn't want to tell anybody that, partly because I was embarrassed and partly because I didn't, I don't know, I just wanted to a sort of testing God, like, okay, God, will you show up in this really personal way? Which, I, you know, I don't know if that's right or wrong, but that's what I did. And, um, and I was at a church service. It's still amazing to me that this story actually happened. So I'm praying that God will show up <laughs> through butterflies. I was at a church service a week or two later, like I wasn't praying a prayer for a really long time. A friend of ours, friends of ours were opening a new church plant. Kevin and I went to attend and celebrate them. And 
Kevin was pulling the car around. It was after the service to get me because I was still kind of struggling to walk at the time. So he was pulling the car around so I didn't have to walk through the parking lot. And a woman came up to me and struck up a conversation with me and said something like, are you, oh, are you new here? And I was thinking, oh, you know, she's, she's part of the church plan. She's trying to get new church members. Like she's doing her job. So I started to kind of interrupt her and say, oh no, we're just friends with the pastors. We're here to celebrate. Like you don't need my phone number and my email, you know? Um, but instead she was like, no, 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 that's not it. And, um, she said, I have to tell you something. I this might sound weird. I know you might, and I know we don't know each other, but she said, I was sitting behind you in the church service. And every time I looked at you, I kept imagining or kept picturing a butterfly. And she goes, but here's the thing. And I'm like, not, I'm like, not allowed. I, I, I was trying not to make my face change. Cause I was just like, what's happening right now? What's happening right now? And she said, but here's the thing. The butterfly was, um, half in its cocoon and half out it, of its cocoon. And it's one of its wings was really bent and wilted as if it had been through something really hard. And she said, I, I don't know if this means anything to you, but I'm thinking that you must be in a really hard season right now. And God is telling you that you are, um, there will be a time when you emerge from that cocoon and you soar again. And then she's like, does that mean anything to you? And she's looking yeah. me straight in the eye and I just start <laughs> bawling my eyes out. And I don't know this woman, so I didn't want to tell her my whole life story, but I just said, yes, that means something to me. Thank you. And I ran into my car. Kevin was there by that point and I'm sobbing and he's like, are you okay? And I was like, God <laughs> sees me. God sees me. Like you don't even, you know, and then I'm telling Kevin this prayer. I've been praying about a butterfly and then she said this thing, but it was so specific to, you know, and I'm like, and, and, and. I mean, I know that's an extraordinary story, and yet we have an extraordinary God who's so personal mm -hmm. with us that I think when we say to him, God, like you, I, I feel embarrassed that I'm praying a childlike prayer, but that's where I'm at right now and I need you to meet me, he does. And, you know, the, the hard part is even when he doesn't, our job is still to be faithful in worship, but he does. Like that's the kind of God we have if we're willing to be that sort of vulnerable and childlike with him, you know? What an amazing story. Right? Wow. 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 Goosebumps all over again. You're crying again. I have goosebumps all over again. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the other thing I love about that is it's so easy. Like sometimes I will pray when I pray to God, you know, I'll say, God, I know that like there are wars happening right. and, um, you know, there are people dying of cancer and I know you have busier things. There's a pandemic yes. right now, <laughs> right. but Lord, could you, could you just listen to this little like thing that's really meaningful to yeah. me that feels really insignificant, yeah. but there's so much beauty in that because that's one of the things that never ceases to amaze me about who God is, that mm. he can be so almighty, so powerful, so sovereign, so everything. Yeah. And yet he looks at you, Aubrey, and he sees this story, this woman, she needs a butterfly right? and I'm going to give it to her. Right? I mean, if, if people can't find hope mm. in that yeah. and hope in just being reminded of exactly what you said, God sees you mm -hmm. like whoever is listening today, like that reminder that God sees you in your pain. Yes. He sees you in your chronic illness. Yes. He sees you in your loneliness. He sees you in this hard spot in your marriage or with your children or in your vocation. And he is just looking at you and he's thinking, let me give you some butterflies. Yeah. I mean, I just, what a powerful reminder today right. for all of us. Yeah, mm. he is. He lavishly loves. And I think sometimes we can forget like what a good God we actually have. And moments like that, I mean, that moment even carries me now because of course I'm human and I forget like that God has done powerful things, you know, especially during the hard year we've all had. And so I'll even sometimes go back and go, but wait, God, you've shown up there and here and here and here and here, you know, and it's just, yeah, he, I'm glad he knows our frailty and, and I'm glad he meets us he meets us in those really personal, tangible ways. Yes. Amen. So Aubrey, you have, um, you've moved through some of your lament. Mm -hmm. You're in a different place maybe yeah. today than you were sitting at that concert. Yep. Um, and I'm, I have a couple, I have so many questions for you, but I, I'm, I'm searching for the one I'm going to ask you first. Um, 
would you trade? Would you trade any of it? Would you trade uh, your suffering, your pain? Yeah. Isn't that funny? I was just actually talking to a friend about this yesterday because he, w- he was actually talking about his wife had miscarried three babies. And, and he said, I would never, never want to walk through that season again. I would never want my wife to have to go through that horrifying grief again. And yet, I don't know if I would trade it because God met us. I mean, that was the time mm-hmm. when we, we as a family, we as a couple were so close to God. And, I, you know, I, I'm with you. I mean, I, no, I, I would, there were certain things that I wish I would have done better. There were certain things in our marriage that were really, really hard. But I think at the end of the day, it wasn't just like lessons learned. Certainly that was part of it. Um, but I feel like my, my journey of faith and my journey with Jesus somehow, and only God can do this, right? Somehow did become realer Mm -hmm. and somehow, um, I think the whole thing just really increased my faith. I mean, you know, James talks about this, right? Like we know when we go through suffering and, and pain, that character is developed in us. Uh, we know, I mean, you know, first Corinthians talks about this. Like we know that like suffering, does mean that the character of Christ is being developed in us. And so, no, I wouldn't trade it. I mean, which only God, only a good God could write such a narrative, right? That in, Mm -hmm. in the most horrific moments of our lives, I'm sitting here talking with you and I'm sure you would have the same story. So talking to me saying, no, I I wouldn't change that because God was there. And Mm -hmm. I feel like that is only the redemption that God can do because that's, I mean, there's something really powerful about that, that God can like turn our horrible, horrible stories into moments of his beauty. And I don't know how to explain that except just to say, God, you're, you're good and you're the Lord and I'm not, (laughs) you know? That's right. That's right. It doesn't make any sense. It's one of those things that it's it's hard to explain to people. But I Mm -hmm. think what, what is core to that, it's that it it comes back to the intimacy. It comes back with the relationship in moments of pain and suffering, whether we want them or not. And whoever wants moments of pain and suffering, no one does, but (laughs) no one. And so maybe the right question isn't, I probably asked you an unfair question when you trade it. Maybe we'd trade some of the pain or the mm-hmm. suffering, but w- what we wouldn't trade is that experience with the Lord that yeah. we 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 understand the suffering of Jesus in a new way. We understand yes. his presence in a new way. Yeah. And then when other people around us are are suffering, mm-hmm. we can sit in their house. I think that's, that's one of the things that I have learned through my own journey is I've learned how to sit with people in their house in a way that is not uncomfortable for me. And I probably maybe to my, to in a bad way, I even say, sit in your house longer. Like you're not done. (laughs) My friends are probably like, Suanne, come on. I'm really ready to go. I'm okay. I want to get through this now. That's right. I'm on, I'm a four on the Enneagram. I'm always like, you haven't sat long enough. You need to cry some more. That's right. But it's the, it is that intimacy and the goodness of God that yeah. that unfortunately, like you said, the Christian life, this is the scripture, the biblical narrative, it tells us like we experience Jesus in a new way when we're in those places and we're willing to be honest yeah, and, yeah. And, yeah. and cry out. Yeah. 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 A- allow the suffering to do the work that it's meant to do. And there are treasures here. I mean, there's just no way to say yeah. it. There are treasures in that moment. And I like what you said. It does, even though... Um, when you're suffering, it can be hard to sort of step outside and see other people's pain. It Those experiences really do give you a new empathy for people who are hurting and you know how to, like you said, sit with them in their house um, without needing to fix it, without needing to like rush them. And then I think it also does globally, you kind of can step back and go, oh, there's a whole world in pain. Like I'm suffering with this little thing, but there are like people starving. And I think it can give you sort of a momentum to reach out and and find out how you can be the hands and feet of Jesus to other people who are suffering. Amen. Yes. And, you know, I'm so glad you brought that up because we do. And I've learned how much I, this is one of the gifts of seminary for me, is I've learned how much I individualize my faith in so many ways. Yeah, right. But this communal lament, it's not just about us lamenting our own stuff before God, but we need to look at the world around us and see its brokenness and see the places we need to repent and lament, not Mm -hmm. just for ourselves, but on behalf of 
our brothers and sisters right. and the community around us. And That's so right. I'm, and have you had experience with that? Yeah. I mean, we, you know, Kevin and I lead a, um, Kevin and I lead a multi-ethnic church plant. And so especially in 2020, we have had a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of really meaningful (laughs) conversations. Kevin and I have done a lot of learning, a lot of repenting, um, about, uh, communal repentance and communal lament, especially on behalf of our, uh, mostly our black brothers and sisters, but I'd say recently our Asian American brothers and sisters who have experienced such a rise in, you know, anti-Asian hate and violence. And so to us, it has been, I feel like this past year has been a call to just kind of be the church that's willing to enter into our brothers and sisters suffering and say, this isn't okay. We're going to cry out to God with you and for you. We're going to cry out publicly because again, lament is an, an expression of grief. And sometimes that expression is in your own private journal. And sometimes that expression is publicly. And so we see that biblically, that oftentimes uh, biblical writers of lament are crying out to God as judge, demanding a just verdict. And so we can cry out to God, cry out to our leaders, um, national leaders, local leaders, and ask that justice be done on behalf of those who are hurting. So that's honestly, that's sort of been the journey of the past like couple years for us. And I would say it's a, it's a, um, a trajectory on this same path that I've been on. Like the Lord has said, like, okay, if you're, if you're serious about lament, that means not just lamenting for you, Aubrey, not even just lamenting for like your best friend who's hurting right now, but lamenting for, um, folks, people, groups in your community that are hurting and what are you going to do about it? Yeah. It's such a powerful reminder. And I think something we need our eyes open to more and yeah. more. So I yeah. appreciate you just sharing that so, so wisely and well. And I appreciate that you and Kevin have stepped out and done that on behalf of, of your church and the people in yeah. your lives. I really appreciate that. Well, we've had a lot of great, we've had both. a lot of great mentors and leaders helping us. I, I would say we, yeah, people have informed us. And so that's been, that's been a blessing. Yeah, it's good stuff. Good stuff. Um, Well, we're almost out of time. So I just have a couple of of final thoughts and questions for you. Um, Someone listening today that's maybe in this dark place, Mm -hmm. and they need to be reminded of the louder song and how to find it. What would you say to them? Uh, I love that question, because I think that is a lot of people. (laughs) And so I would (laughs) say, um, one, you're not alone. and sometimes I think we can feel um, isolated in our pain or our heartache or our doubt or our grief, whatever language you want to use. And then we can feel like um, something is wrong with me or something is wrong with my faith. And so I would just start there. You are not alone. Um, so many people are walking around with hurt. Um, and then I would say a couple things. One, do th- pray that prayer that I prayed. God, if you're real, make yourself real to me. Or some what version, whatever version of that means something to you, right? God, God, I need you to show up in this specific way. God, but just keep showing up to God. Keep showing up to Him. Don't don't run away. Don't don't hide. Keep showing up to Him. Um, and then if you're not part of a cr- Christian community, hopefully if you're listening, you're part of Sue Ann's amazing church. But if you're not, um, reach out to her because we don't. We cannot do this alone. We need each other. And this is what I love about us having a communal faith is sometimes like when I don't have enough faith, I'm going to borrow yours and you're going to borrow mine. And like I borrowed my spiritual directors during that season and we carry each other through these really, really hard times. So don't be ashamed. Don't don't be isolated. Um, you're not alone. Cry out to God as authentically as you can. Find some community to be around and talk about these hard things with so that you're not doing it alone. And um, I would also just say, be kind to yourself. Like whatever mm-hmm. you're walking through is hard, but God does see you. God has not left you alone. And um, that God will in his comfort and his might somehow use this in your life to bring transformation in a way that you never thought was possible. So don't give up. So beautifully and powerfully said, and I know there are people listening today that needed to hear exactly what you had to share Mm -hmm. and just to end on such a powerful note of just hope and reminder of what is true. Um, Gosh, so many wise words. I hate to finish our time because I, I can know, keep talking Sue to Anne, you. I feel like we could talk forever. <laughs> I know. This is such a powerful conversation. I cannot wait for people to just um, hear, hear so many things that I just know. I just can feel it. They need to hear. So thank you um, so much for sharing that. I have to ask you one more question before you go. 
you, my dear, have a new book coming out. I think when? This fall? August? It's coming out September 7th. Okay. Can you tell us a little bit about I it so we can be on the lookout for Thank you for asking that. Um, <laughs> of course. It's, it's called Known, K-N-O-W-N, How Believing Who God Says You Are Changes Everything. It's actually available for pre-order now on Amazon. I don't know if it's available at other places yet for pre-order, but it might be. And um, it is a book really about, you know how, I feel like we all we all have sort of these tapes in our head right? That are, and you're, you're a force. So you'll get this. You're not this enough, or you're too this enough, or we have names that someone has spoken over us our whole life, or we've spoken over ourselves and they sort of lodge in your soul. And sometimes they're not good. Like I, I think about, I felt like needy was this word spoken over me. You're so needy. You're so needy. You're so needy. And I just carried that with me in like a really terrible way throughout my childhood. And um, so anyway, all that to say, it is really a book about how we name ourselves, but ultimately it's a book about the names that God has for us and the way that God um, actually transforms even those names in ways that we never expected. And ultimately it's a book about the name of Jesus and how his name changes everything. And so um, uh, uh, it's it's a different book in that every chapter is a like theological and personal reflection on something about the image of God and a name that God has for his children. And so you can read it in one setting or you can read it in little chunks. And I'm very excited about it. And if, if your listeners know Christine Kane, she wrote the foreword. And so the for, you get it for the foreword alone because <laughs> her foreword is really, really good. So you, you just buy it for her. And But I, I'm hoping, I mean, actually, I, I feel like I'm excited for people to read it. I think it's going to be a fun, it's going to be a fun journey when it comes out. Oh, it sounds amazing. And I will confess, I did know, I did when I saw your book cover on your Instagram, I saw her name on there and I was like, dude, how'd you get Christine Kane to write you a forward? That's I, amazing. That is the grace of God. She has become a friend of mine over the years and she generously wrote the forward. And I'm telling you, the forward alone is worth the book. Like, don't even read what I wrote, read what she wrote. Because <laughs> it's... It's really good. It is oh. nice having her name on the front cover, though. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> well, you both of your names on the front cover, wise and beautiful and amazing women. So, Aubrey, thank you so much for being here today, for sharing your story and all of this beautiful wisdom that points us to who God is and the hope he has in the louder song. And so I just can't tell you how much I've enjoyed having you here today. It's been so awesome to be here with you, Sue Ann. Thanks so much. All right, friends. Well, thanks for taking time out of your busy day to spend some time with us today here at Deeper Still. You are amazing. And so don't forget that. More importantly, make sure you take some time to listen for that louder song of hope and redemption that God is singing over you and he's singing over this world on this very day because it is the most beautiful and important song there is. And so pay attention. Don't miss it. All right. Well, have a great day and we will see you back here in just a couple of weeks. Mm -hmm.